Hello, hello, and welcome, welcome to Saturday's edition of New Testament Friday. (laughs) Yes, 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 I am late, but I am still coming to you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. Yes, I had a busy day, jam-packed Friday. I didn't, I didn't get to the, uh... I didn't get to the the podcast, so here I am, Saturday morning, doing Saturday's edition of New Testament Friday. Glad you are with us. Uh, you should have gotten your new uh, Bible reading plan for the third quarter, July, and um, we got uh, lots of work done on the rest of the the rest of the plan. Uh, I have it all laid out, but I didn't put it into this format. So I actually got the rest of the year done and uh, into next year. So it looks like it's probably going to be about a two-year plan total. Uh, I'm not quite finished yet. I got uh, still uh, about six months. uh, I'm not sure... um, uh, three or six months left of stuff to put in there. We'll see. I'm not exactly positive. So, but uh, we'll know exactly how long the plan is. Um, I got it all laid out chronologically, so I don't necessarily know how it breaks down in this format with uh, uh, two a day and uh, New Testament and Old Testament. So, but we will know fairly soon as I work through it and get the whole thing completed. Um, but definitely into next year. Well into next year, we'll be we'll be continuing to read, and then we'll see when we're done uh, what we do because the podcast will continue. So uh, um, I'm I'm trying to make plans for what might be next. So uh, that would be exciting. So all right, our New Testament reading. Let's uh, get into the Word of God. There you go. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 13 um, and 14 and uh, 15. Yeah, we had three to this uh, Friday, so I'm glad you got an extra day to read it in case you were laboring to get that extra chapter in. But uh, yeah, 13, 14, 15 in the book of Luke. So lots of stuff that, that's going through here. This is really cool part of scripture. Uh, Jesus has a bunch of parables that he tells, and uh, we can pull some stuff out of there. Uh, the first one he talks about is uh, there's some stuff going on, and they're wondering about mingling of blood, and they're they're all getting all uh, physiological on him and uh, genetic and uh, that. And and at this point, where Christ has paid the penalty and taken care of all these things, the the most important thing to know is repent. You need to turn from all these wacky belief systems. You need to turn from all of this mythology. You need to turn from it and head toward Christ. Because Christ is the only way you are not going to perish. Repent or perish is an easy message. But what are you repenting from? And what are you repenting toward? So those are two very important understandings from that little portion of scripture. They were believing all this mythology. They were believing all these beliefs about 
genealogies and bloodlines and mixing of blood and and uh this this he's saying you know you're wasting your time on all that repent repent turn from it and follow me so that's um that's a good one. Uh, then the parable of the barren fig tree. This is pretty cool. It's a little, very short one. The man had the, the fig and it didn't bear any figs. And so he, he told the gardener, you know, well, dig it up. It's a waste of dirt. A waste of dirt. So, uh, uh, yeah, you look at that and you go, oh my goodness. Uh, it's wasting the very ground it's planted on. It's it's wasting the very dirt it walks on. Uh, so, you know, this is, what are we bearing? What kind of fruit are we bearing? Are we wasting the very breath that God has given us? Are we wasting the skin that God has molded us with? Are we wasting the very ground that he has placed us on? Uh, where's our fruit? We need to start bearing fruit. And speaking of that, speaking of fruit, uh, last month we did the uh, Practical Evangelism at Word on Wednesday, and this month we're doing the Kingdom Financing. We're taking the month of July off, but uh, coming up in August, the very beginning of August, before Life Group semester starts, we're going to be doing three weeks at Word on Wednesday and inviting anyone who's gone through Rooted, I'm just going to get the word out now, anyone who's gone through Rooted to come and participate in learning a discipleship process. Um, it, it, some people can do discipleship without any issue. Some people have enough Bible knowledge. They've walked with God. They can walk with somebody. They don't need any kind of an assistance and a plan, and that's fine. I got no issue with that. No problem. But people hesitate to disciple others because they say, I don't know where to start. And that we've developed this plan called Seeds. And it's 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 really four or five sessions that you walk with somebody who might be newly saved or someone questioning things in your life. Take some time and say, I'm gonna let's walk together for let's get together for a month and walk through this process. And it's really discussion-based, but it gives you as a leader uh, the tools to help you walk with somebody else. So that's going to be the first uh, three weeks in August, the first three Wednesdays in August at the Family Center here in Palm Coast. And, and we'll get more word out, but I just want to talk about this, is that are you wasting the ground that you're, that you're planted in, that you're planted on? Uh, God's put you here. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's put you here to make disciples. Are you making disciples? Or... Are you just taking in information? Because the command is make disciples. That's what the command is. So uh, the next one is a woman was dis, uh, with a d disabling spirit. And there's a lot of uh, uh, nuance in this uh, when it comes to uh, churches and different camps and different. And uh, some people think all illness is spiritual. Some people think some illness is a spiritual. Some people think it's physical. Uh, and so, uh, I, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, uh, the camp I land in or the place I land in, I see uh, it's a mixture. It's a combination. Are there physical ailments that are spiritually rooted? Yes, absolutely. There's no question. I believe they are. The Bible just says it right here. She has this disabling spirit. So I believe that that is absolutely possible. But then there's other things, there's physical ailments that happen that are not 
spiritual necessarily. They might be spiritual in what they're trying to show us or teach us or, or, or uh, I think everything's spiritual, but I don't think there's a, an evil spirit causing every Ill, illness and ailment and cause. I think um, the, the fall, the curse of the earth causes some of that. I think our, our, our uh, choices, uh, good and bad choices, uh, can cause some of that. Uh, I think the genetic curse causes some of that. <clears throat> but um, so I believe it's, it's and. It's and. It's not either or. It's, it's and and both. So uh, uh, I never get all wonky about that when someone says, you know, the only time I try to I try to bring someone to a place of uh, of balance is when they say all sickness is demonic, and that's not necessarily. I don't. I don't find that biblical at all. Some sicknesses are demonic and and based in spiritual reality, and uh, you need discernment to figure that out, and uh, and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to relieve that person of, of what's happening. Um, so. Uh, the mustard seed and the leaven. This is interesting because the leaven is also often used uh, as sin, but in this particular parable, the leaven is also, uh, what is the kingdom of God like? And the first one is the mustard seed, which grows small, tiny mustard seed, which grows this big plant that every, the big tree that everybody comes, that, uh, that, that is shared by all, by many. And then the next one says, compare the kingdom of God. It is like the leaven that a woman took and hid in, in three measures of flour until it was all leavened because it spread out. So the kingdom of God uh, does spread, but sin also spreads also. So leaven it can be, a, can be a symbolic for either in, in that case. So uh, we don't want to always put it in that camp. Context, 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 right? So... The kingdom of God is not sin. So, <laughs> the narrow door. This was uh, another great parable um, in that uh, someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Good question. And he said, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Uh, and then some really tough things to hear. Uh, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer to you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in your streets. And he will say, I tell you, here you go, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, you know, just because someone is doing the work of God or saying things that are the work of God doesn't necessarily mean they're from God. And that is important to understand. It's that it's that turn from the other, turn, repent, follow Christ. And uh, it really is what's changed from down within. It's what's changed in your heart, in your soul. It's not necessarily just about what you do. Um, 
So uh, now he laments over Jerusalem and um, he says, uh, O Jerusalem, this is verse 34 of 13. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent. Wow. So uh, he says, behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So is that prophetic to uh, the triumphal entry? Yeah, could be, could be. Uh, Chapter 14, healing of the man who has dropsy. I wanted to take a minute and go look up dropsy. Uh, It's an old, 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 old uh, word for sickness, and I don't recall what it is, and I wanted to just take a minute and look it up, and I and I forgot to do that. So, um, well, we got it. That's a sad, sad day. So, uh, uh, loser. Yeah, I missed that one. Sorry about that. So, um, I know Chewy. I blew that one. So, uh, we're gonna look up dropsy. We'll we'll bring it to you next time. I I just uh, didn't get the chance to look it up. So the whole before and maybe in your translation it gives a different different word for it. So, and Jesus responded. Uh, let's see. Uh, one Sabbath, of course, of course, the Sabbath. <clears throat> he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the, of the Pharisees. Uh, they were watching him carefully, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyer and said, and asked him, "Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath?" Or not? See now, Jesus is asking them the questions, and and and, uh, and instead of them doing the accusations, Jesus just is going to ask the question that he knows they're going to accuse them of anyway. So that's really cool. Um, and he said to them, uh, "Which of you?" I uh, call them hypocrites. And he said, "Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath, will not immediately pull him out?" And they could not reply at all. So then, there's a parable of the wedding feast. Um, this is an interesting one in that, uh, don't force yourself into positions. And, uh, now he told a parable to those who were invited, uh, when he noticed that they had, that they chose the place of honor saying to them, when you are invited to someone to the wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Um, As a pastor, um, sometimes people think, you know, just walk in and took a position of authority or took took the seat. and other times, people understand the process it takes uh, when you're becoming a pastor or when you're becoming a leader. Um, 
This started many years ago for me, uh, sitting under people, sitting and listening and doing and offering to do whatever is needed, whatever it takes, uh, cleaning toilets, washing floors, um, helping people, walking with people, doing sound, uh, learning an instrument because there was a need, um, uh, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, um, to, to, to fill the gaps, to, to help those who were, uh, leading, uh, who were hosting, um, uh, and then giving, uh, given a, a, an opportunity to, uh, to learn and to then to maybe teach or assist in teaching or come alongside someone and, and go to school and, and do those things. This is a long, long process. It didn't, and I know we've had people who come to church, whether it's this church, my last church or wherever, and just say, you know, I, I, I do this, put me up here. Um, happy to teach on Sunday. Uh, happy to help you out. And yes, it actually happens. I'm, I'm no, no, lie about it. Uh, literally had somebody walk into church one day and say, I'm supposed to uh, lead worship this morning. And uh, never been to Life Coast, didn't know who it was at the time. And um, uh, these kind of things happen. This is saying, this place, this Bible verse is saying, you need to have this humility. You come to a place, you're invited into a place, um, whether it's a uh, a church or a Bible study, whatever it is, you're invited to a place. Don't go sit and put yourself in the place of authority. It says, be the humble servant. Go be in the lowest place. Offer to help. Put yourself in a place uh, of, of uh, not assuming that you're better than anyone else in the place. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a great lesson, and uh, I know it's not for you guys who listen to this podcast. You're all very humble servants of God, <laughs> and uh, we all could use a little more humility, couldn't we? i tell you. Uh, Parable of the Great Banquet. This is an awesome one. This kind of really lends itself to the kingdom of God and what's happening as he uh, had a great banquet, invited people, and they just would not come. They made all kinds of excuses not to come. And he sends out his servants to go into the highways and the byways and bring in the crippled and the lame and the lowly. And it still was room. And he said, just go get anybody and invite them in. This is what happens. We, uh, it, it's If you really look at the uh, uh, the Jews and the Pharisees, and, the, and this is really... Uh, pointed right at them and uh, they're invited in they were invited into the banquet but they they made all kinds of excuses so he's going out and getting the sick the lame the, the street people the uh the uh gentiles us gentile dogs and uh but you know he says i tell you none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet and so uh when you get yourself in and this can be for not just for Jews and Gentiles, but for uh, the religious and those who are followers of Christ. They know that they're sick and lame and hurting spiritually, and they need they need to to come into the the banquet with the King uh, to be healed and to be uh, fed. So, uh, cost of discipleship. 
Um, this is about just understanding. This is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. If you do not understand that, if you do not uh, count that cost, you're going you're gonna to leave it aside. It's, it's, you're not truly turning and repenting. You're not truly giving of, of your whole heart. It's going to cost you something. And if you have not understood that yet, there's going to come a time as a follower of Jesus Christ where you're going to have to make a choice. Uh, sometimes it says it's between family. Sometimes it's it's uh, other losses. But there's going to come a, co- a cost. You're going to have to pay the cost and uh, bear your own cross and surrender. So, uh, 15, parable of the lost sheep. Um, uh, tax, collectors, tax collectors and sinners all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled and saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So we told them this parable. What man, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine, go to the open country, and find the lost sheep? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his family, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So uh, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So here's that here's that lost thing. This is, <clears throat> this is about uh, the lost versus the the believers. So you you go out and you find the the person who's who's lost. Uh, not the ones who know, who know Christ. They they and so that's where people people get this skewed. You might have this believer who's who's out somewhere. It doesn't mean that this is this is the parable. The parable is about those who are lost, those who do not know Christ, those who are not part of the family, the herd. They're not part of that family and you're going out and you're bringing them in. They may have come and visited, but they're out there lost. So this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about that person who's part of the family of God who continues to draw your attention. Away. You always have to go chasing after them. People use this parable to say, well, it's the one. You have to go after the one. No, the one who's lost, not the one who might be saved and constantly wanting attention. That's not the one. So <clears throat> that goes back to the humble thing. If you're saved, you have to work towards humility, not about me, me, me. So the parable of the lost coin, similar uh, uh in the par- parable of the prodigal son, this one's interesting because every though it does have a double meaning. Some parables, uh, many parables, have multiple uh, meanings in it. <clears throat> but uh, when you look at this parable and who he's talking to, he's talking to the uh, tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." So, um, this parable of the prodigal son, he's telling to those people, the, 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 uh, sinners, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, that's who he's telling the parable to. And so when we get, we all know the parable of the lost son, he goes out and he goes into another country and he get, he squanders, he wants his inheritance right away. He squanders it. He ends up with the pigs, comes back and the father's looking for him. Bring the fatted calf, and this is the part of the parable that really is a, excuse me, applicable to who he's talking to. Now the, 
older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and called to his servants. And he said to him, your brother has come, your father has killed a fattened calf. And then it says, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friend. But when this son of yours, not his brother, but this son of yours, who has devoured your property and prostitutes your, killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this is your brother who is dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. <clears throat> this is, um, we've had this happen at church. Um, uh, as we as we grew as a church, we started small with a small group of people, planted the church, very uh, intimate relationship with that whole group of people. And uh, great people, love them, followers of Christ, not a problem. But uh, as the church grew and we spent more attention we, we, we gave more attention to those new believers and those coming into faith and giving them attention and making uh, Bible studies for them and growth track as we did at the time. Um, some of the other people were saying, well, we, we don't get to spend any time with you anymore. We, we used to spend all this time with you. And you say, yeah, I understand. And, and you're still very important and valuable. And, uh, but we have new believers coming in and we want to, we want to, walk with them and disciple them. And this is this is that parable. This is what this parable is talking about. You know, you as you are part of the family, yes, you might get less attention from the father. You might get less attention because he's celebrating, they're celebrating over the the lost who've come home, the dead who are now alive. And so sometimes this feels um difficult but as we mature in our faith we should become self-sustaining and though part of those who are going out and bringing in the lost and being part of that discipleship process so that's where we're going to leave it right there on saturday's edition of new testament friday we are so glad you joined us thank you for the uh studio audience that does not exist And we'll try to get this out to you as soon as possible. My Newman's Roast in my Wake Up to the Word coffee. So glad you joined us. We're so happy you're here. Thank you for the grace. We will see you next week.